0: And to tell inspirational cattails. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, delighted to be here with you today. Although um, I had to start on a little bit of a sad note, it would be remiss of me not, not to mention this. Uh, so a few days ago, um, on Wednesday of this past week, my mother-in-law, Sandra brothers Lerman, passed away at the age of 84. She went very peacefully in her sleep. Um... You know, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships, I, I guess, are, are in their own way always somewhat complicated. And, but I will say that ours was never a fraught relationship. She was, uh, she was certainly a, a woman who was one of a kind and funny. And as I put it to my husband uh, the other day, she, she had an undeniable vitality. Uh, she, she, you knew when she entered a room. For sure, and I, I think I've discussed this before on previous episodes. So, um, shockingly or not, uh, really, no one in in my family has read my books. Uh, but Sandra, who was not particularly an animal person, um, but she did read all of my books. Ah, uh, my first book, and many of you listening probably have not read it. Some of you may not even be familiar with it, but my first book was called "Diary of a South Beach Party Girl." There are no cats in that book, and it is a a novel about, you know, sort of sex and drugs and scandal and celebrities in South Beach in the nineties. It was, uh, I guess, my 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 first novel and and my stab at a beach read. And I remember as I was writing it, you know, saying to Lawrence, and this was in the early, I mean, I started writing it actually before the two of us were even dating. So this was in the very early days of our relationship. I finished it after we were dating. Um, but but saying to Lawrence, you know, how is your mom going to feel? <laughs> Not having somebody who wrote a book like, and, and I mean, I guess I'm exaggerating, you know, exaggerating now, but at the time it felt, I mean, I, I really, if you do go and check out the book, it's, it's not going to be as scandalous as I'm making it sound. But for me at the time, it felt very scandalous. Um, again, my, my mom has not read the book and I asked Lawrence how his mother would feel about having someone in the family who'd written a book like this. And he's like, she'll love it. She actually, she's going to love it. And it's so funny because she read. The book as soon as it came out, and I remember her saying, "Darling, I loved it. Too much drugs, not enough sex. Next time, put in more sex." That—that <laughs> that was my mother-in-law, um, a, a a great woman and and a natural-born saleswoman. Again, not much of an animal person. I think she was sort of disappointed in the in the turn that my writing career took after I wrote *Homer's Odyssey* and and really began to focus almost exclusively in writing about my cats. Uh, but i will say that that she told everyone she was a natural born salesperson she worked the jewelry counter at fortuneoff's for many years and she would tell everyone to whom that information seemed relevant anytime she encountered anybody who liked cats or had cats or you know was interested in in books and also had a cat she would tell them about the book um she was the reason why I was invited to speak, you know, at various uh, committees like the women's auxiliary in the retirement community where she lived invited me to speak and, and to do a reading. And, you know, the, the book club in her, in her retirement community she also read Homer's Odyssey one month. And anyway, she was in her own way, really a, a tireless champion for my book. She never got over the fact that I wasn't on the Today show. She could not under I could not make her understand that every author in the world <laughs> wants to get on the Today show. Almost none of them will and and so you know, the 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 question isn't why was I not on the Today show? The question really was why should I be on the Today show? But she she never could never accept that I wasn't she was resolute really up until the end in her belief that that I should be and um she was she was she was a real champion of my work in a way that meant a lot to me and i know how much her son meant to her and it meant a lot to know that she liked me for him that she thought i was a good match for him And that she welcomed me into her family. And so, uh, vaya con Dios, Sandra. Godspeed. And here's till we meet again. Anyway, on in more positive news for those of you who are love saves the day fans. And I don't want anyone to get too excited yet. We will see how this plays out. Um, but I have requested a reversion of the rights. To Love Saves the Day from my publisher. Um, This is something, you know, contractually when a book has been out a certain amount of time and and hit certain sales thresholds, I am allowed to request a reversion of the rights. And what this would mean... um, is basically Well, I mean, then I could do whatever I want. The rights to the book would be mine again. I could sell them to another publisher, hypothetically, if I wanted to. But what I would actually do would be to self-publish the book. And if I do, there will, of course, um, to go along with this new edition of Love Saves the Day with a new cover and all of that – um there will be a new chapter in prudence's life. Uh, many of you have asked if there's ever going to be a sequel to love saves the day and when that sequel is, is going to come out. and so i should know sometime middle to late june whether or not this is going to happen. but if it does, then yes, there there will be new adventures ahead for prudence and a new edition of love saves the day that will include both the original book in its entirety as well as as this this new this new chapter in prudence's life. I'm not sure yet if it if it would be like a story, short story or a novella or if there there's actually like a whole novel there. Um we will see. I will also say that in this new edition will be listed all the names of my supporters on Patreon. So I definitely encourage you to go to Patreon, P-A-T is in Thomas, dot com slash Gwen Cooper to find out how you and your cat can have your names included not only in a potential new edition of Love Saves the Day, but in all of the books and any new books that I write going forward. I'm actually right now hard at work on a book, uh, sort of a follow-up, I guess, to my life in a cat house called the best little cat house in Jersey. And those of you on my, who are in my Patreon community and whose membership includes uh, sneak peeks at works in progress can expect to see some pages from that new book next week. I'm very excited about it. So yeah, lots of stuff going on, and um, again, I encourage you, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, to check out my Patreon page, find out how you can get your name and your cat's name in my book, and stay tuned for more information. And again, this could very well all possibly end in disappointment. I may not get the rights back. And if that is how it works out, that does not mean that there will be no continuing adventures of prudence. Um, It would just shift the, the timetable a little bit. So we'll see how it all plays out and I will certainly keep you all posted, but uh, very exciting stuff and hopefully there will be some good news on the horizon. So so keep a good thought. And on that note, I think we're going to take a brief break of about 30 seconds or so. And when we come back, I will be answering a reader question. So sit back, relax, get comfortable and stick around for more Curl Up with a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. And we are back with a reader question this week. And this week's question comes from reader Gina Levy. And Gina would like to know, um, she has written, would you ever consider writing a book-length memoir about any of your other cats aside from Homer? So thanks so much for, for reading, by the way, Gina, and listening and writing in with a question. Um, I I mean, the short answer, honestly, to that question as things stand right now would be no. Um, I'm not considering writing anything book length. And I do want to emphasize, by the way, that it's not because ultimately I think that Homer's blindness makes him so much more interesting than my other cats that I have that much more to say about him versus them. Um, That is not the case at all. Um, I I definitely, I mean, Homer, you know, for for obvious reasons, Homer was the cat when I sat down to write a memoir. Um, Homer was the only cat that it would have even occurred to me to have written a memoir about. Um, And part of that, honestly, was that just saying that he's blind seems to provide the rationalization, you know, what justifies you writing a memoir about your cat when so many other people have cats and their stories are probably very similar to yours. And by the way, as far as I'm concerned, that's actually a reason to write something that, that it is kind of an ordinary shared experience. I think all of us like, I mean, sometimes we like to read books about situations and people who are completely different from anything we've ever known, but plenty of, of books and TV shows and movies and, and sitcoms and comedians are successful precisely because they reflect our lives back to us, um, but filtered through somebody else's perspective, which gives us an opportunity to think about ourselves and our own relationships and our own circumstances. Um, I, I've always felt that the the success of Homer's Odyssey, the reason why so many people have loved the book as much as they do, is not because of Homer's differences. But because of all the ways in reading Homer's Odyssey, I think if you're a person who has loved a cat, whether that cat is blind or deaf or has three legs or, or you know, is, is cerebellar hypoplasia or, or is simply just a quote-unquote normal garden variety everyday cat, whatever kind of cat you've had a relationship with, I think you can see something of yourself and of that relationship in Homer and in my relationship with Homer. Um, and which which brings me to the, the the main point, the the reason why I find it very difficult to see myself writing anything book length about any of my other cats, and that is because when you're writing a memoir, uh, a, you know, a, a true story about your relationship with an animal, um, ultimately the structure, I mean, the the book and the story are really going to be about the person as opposed to being about the cat. And that is because and I've said this before, but if you're writing a true story about an animal, then you are limited. You you can speculate in terms of what you think that animal is thinking but you don't know. And the kinds of 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 milestones in a life that that give shape to a narrative. Um weddings, funerals, graduations, beginning a new job finishing an old job getting a promotion deciding to begin a new career you know all of these things that that can give a shape to an to I mean things have to happen in a story and they can't just be anecdotes because then you just have a collection of anecdotes what you need are some ongoing themes something that that your main character whether that's you as a real life person or someone you've made up but There has to be something that they are trying to attain, some development that they need to experience, some kind of growth that they need to experience. You know, they need to be in a different place at the end of the story than they are at the beginning. Um, And with animals, of course, that, that becomes very difficult. I would say that I have seen the personalities of my cats change over the years with age to some extent. But whether this is just because they get older and they slow down a little bit, or it's because of some sort of reflection that the wisdom of their years has given them over the, you know, when they look back on their lives, I I don't know. I suspect it's more the former than the latter. But the point is, if I'm writing a true story, then I can't really speculate or pretend that I know what my cats are thinking. And of course, they, they do not have the graduations and funerals and weddings and, and you know, births of children and beginnings and ends of careers and things like that 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 shape a story and a life. Um so, you know, Homer's Odyssey as a memoir is is very much also my story. What I mean it's and I always say it, it, you know, I, I had thought it took me at least a year to figure out how I would write Homer's Odyssey and where, I mean, I knew where it would begin. It would begin with his adoption, but really what the beginning and what the ending would be, what the overall narrative would be, Um, especially because Homer was still alive. I didn't want to wait until he was dead to write the story. Um, Had he already died, I guess that, that could have been, you know, could have ended, begun with his birth and ended with his death. Um, So, you know, it wasn't until, Lawrence proposed to me that I realized that it was a story that was going to begin with a breakup and end with a wedding. And the story would be about the journey that took me from one of those things to the other and how Homer influenced and shaped the way that I developed as a person in that 10-year that span between when I adopted him and when I married my husband and i will 100% stand by that as as a narrative structure but of course you know having written a, a, about my own life in relation to my cats already it, it kind of leaves a lack of material for other stories for a full length book about any one or two even of my other cats if i wanted to write a full length book about vashti or about clayton um you know I mean, I guess with the cats I have now, there's a different phase in my life that they are a part of. And so hypothetically, I could write a book about that. But the truth of the matter is that The last decade or so of my life has been significantly more stable than the decade that was covered in Homer's Odyssey, which, again, makes sense. You know, when you're younger, you move around more, you're dating, you're forming and losing friendships, you are, you know, you move from your ratty little first apartment to a somewhat nicer second apartment, um... But your life does tend to, once you settle into a job and a marriage, your life does tend to stabilize. I'm speaking in very broad terms. Obviously, there are plenty of people who undergo significant life changes after they get married and move into a house and, and have children. I, I'm certainly not trying to make it sound like light, like you get married, the curtain drops and lo- life ends. Um, but for me, at least for me personally, I have found that there's just a lot more sameness. I, I've not gone through the kinds of changes. I haven't had the kinds of adventures in my life. Um, different adventures, great adventures, uh, but not the kind that lend themselves to a story that would be based around any of my cats. At least none at the moment that is really calling out to me. Um, I have plenty. Of material, I think, for shorter form stories and essays about my cats. And that's why I tend to write shorter stories and essays about them. So this is all by saying, yeah, Gina, um, I, I mean I guess the like I said, the the short answer is no. I have no plans for a book-length work about one or two of my cats that would be similar to Homer's Odyssey, which is not to say that they've not been every bit as influential on on my life. And in my heart as Homer was, um, although, you know, again, I will also say that there was something unique about Homer. I, I just, I have to actually walk that back a little bit and say that if I, again, if I'm being honest, Homer did have more um, of an influence over my development during the period that I wrote about in Homer's Honesty. And again, part of that was just realizing that I, if I was going to take on the responsibility of a special needs cat, especially at the the particular that particular moment in my life when I adopted him, that I was gonna have to to kind of grow up all the way. You know, I was still standing with one foot still in adolescence, let's say, and one foot in adulthood. And I was really going to have to become an all the way grown-up to do this. Um, I, I may have overestimated, I think what would be involved or the difficulties involved in adopting a blind cat. I had no way of knowing how easy or difficult it would ultimately prove to be, but I did know that I was going to have to start thinking and acting a lot more responsibly than I had been up until that point, you know, that it wouldn't be enough to just bring him into my home and pet him and love him and feed him. And you know, that there could very well be a lot more than that involved and that if I was going to make that kind of commitment, I I would have to also commit to to being a, a big enough girl to to manage it. So again, though, that you know, that was a something unique about that relationship that lent itself to a longer form narrative that um Yeah, I I, I just wouldn't have that same kind of hook, I guess, with any of my other cats. Which again is not at all to minimize the importance of those relationships or how much I love them. And I've certainly talked extensively on, on this podcast about how much I do love them and how much I dread the, the creeping signs of age that I am noticing in Clayton and Fanny these days. Um, you know, the, the occasional gray whisker and so on. So yeah, Gina, no, no book-length story about any one cat in the works, but a something book-length that encompasses all of the cats is definitely in the works. And I look forward to continuing to tell you guys more about that as I work on it and to bringing it to you in time for this year's holiday season. Um, and again, those of you in my Patreon community, though, will we'll get to uh, to read excerpts and keep up with it long ahead of the actual publication date. So stay tuned. And I'm going to keep it kind of short today, just because, um, you know, we are in the middle of a lot of funeral arrangements and arrangements for the Shiva and coordinating family members etc arriving from various other places um but i did want to give a special shout out to um duke ellington morris and duke ellington morris is a cat he is a licensed therapy cat in san francisco who is the most recent addition to the wags brigade at the san francisco airport um those of you who traveled through the San Francisco Airport may have seen the therapy animals that are part of a program there to, to help nervous flyers relax ahead of a flight and that program has been in place for about a decade um for the most part consisting of dogs and and I think there was a a rabbit or is a rabbit maybe who's also a part of that program, but Duke Ellington is the first cat to join the WAGs Brigade. Um, he is a 14-year-old rescue cat. He was adopted in 2010 at about a year of age, um, and his owner adopted from a shelter, and his owner quickly recognized uh, just what a very Kind of mellow, friendly sort of disposition Duke had, and so he's actually been a licensed therapy cat for many years now. So this is not new work for him. This is uh, something he is used to. Um, you know, I'm I'm always amazed because I, for me, in my own admittedly very limited experience, but but the airport has been a very cha- has proven to be a very challenging environment for my cats. And so, you know, and I've always said like these people who travel to the to CatCon and and Catfest and the various sort of cat conventions with their cats, you know, these people with with internet famous cats who travel with them to these kinds of, of events, I'm always amazed that their cats can do it, that their cats can travel and that they will tolerate being, you know, meeting and, and being touched by and being next to so many strange people. Um, I sometimes think Clayton might actually be a cat who could handle the meeting a lot of people part of it, but I think doing it in a space that he wasn't used to and, and bringing him there on an airplane, I, I really think would be the end of him. Um, I just think there's nothing at all about the airport environment that would be at all calming to my cats. But Duke Ellington obviously is a cat with a different personality. And again, he's been a therapy cat. He's worked in hospitals um, for quite a few years. So he's, he's a little bit more used to hustle and bustle. Then my cats are, and he, he looks adorable in his little uniform. And those of you who are going to be, whose travel plans are going to bring you through SFO anytime in the near future, I encourage you to keep your eyes out for the WAG patrol and perhaps request the company of Duke Ellington if he is available while you're there. And with that, um, I'm going to uncharacteristically early wrap up the podcast. And, and again, it's it's just a, uh, it's it's been a tough week um, to put together anything longer, lengthier, or of more substance for you all today. But I do thank you for listening. And I look forward to coming at you again next week with another all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.